Meredith Football Podcast, David Lawson and Stefan Hosen coming back a little bit delayed. We couldn't get our times to combine over the weekend, Stefan. So we're doing it Monday night for me, Monday morning for you. What's up? I'm good, man. You got that right. It was a busy weekend for me, but good to get some, a little catch up still. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Especially, you know, where I am, the weather is changing. I feel like I'm getting sick all the time. So it's good to talk to, talk to you about things that matter. Um, and in a way, don't matter. <laughs> but, you know, the world went crazy last week. And it's funny, you know, the one weekend where we were both busy and we couldn't get any time to talk, so much happened. And normally we come in and we say, what are we going to talk about? Last week was like built, for, built to talk about. So we had the Super League fiasco, which people went crazy about. Admittedly, I didn't go as crazy, but my attention was was peaked. What did you think about the whole Super League fiasco? Boy, you, you got that right. Last week was the week of, at least for in regards to recent weeks, a very interesting start to the week. Eh? Super League was announced on Monday. You know, in all honesty, I didn't react in any way, shape or form at first because the idea just didn't appeal to me. I wanted to see what the actual plan was. I remember when it was announced at first, my first reaction was, what is the actual goal here? Are they going to have a 38-game season? Is that the plan? Are they breaking away from their leagues? Is it a Champions League replacement? Nobody could tell me that for the first 24 hours. And by the time it did, it was revealed that it was going to be essentially a Champions League replacement. I was kind of, I was bored by it and I wasn't really um, affected in any way, shape or form. <laughs> To me, the Champions League has been boring for a couple of years. I've been saying that for a while, so I definitely do believe that it needs to be revamped. Do I think the European clubs should take it upon themselves to revamp it? Not particularly. Did I like the idea for Super League? Not particularly. Am I surprised it ended within three days? Not particularly. Well, my, my opinion on this is clear, right? I got a little bit excited because my basis of getting a little bit excited, I didn't get crazily excited, was a simple fact that there's three things that drive men crazy, right? Yep. Women, money, and sports, right? Uh, a famous author wrote about the fact that people buy who buy sports clubs by knowing they're not going to make money. They buy it because of the mental benefits. And if I've always felt eventually smart business people are going to, because you get a lot of younger smart business people getting into these clubs, bringing analytics, and then they are going to try to find ways, not just to, for excitement, but also make money, not just based on real estate. And they are, they are trying to find a way to make money without the right way to make money. Um, this was my initial quote. Super League is madness. They're trying to shove money at a shit problem they created which is exploding costs to run football teams due to wages and transfer fees with, with throwing more money to cover the smell. I said in 2006, football needs a salary cap with a flexible wage cap for homegrown players. It is the only way to save owners from themselves because sports turn smart men into idiots, right? People buy clubs for the property and the mental loss to own a team and feel a part of the thrill. It's a sugar high. You have to save people from themselves. That's why you tax cigarettes so highly. But due to the fact that there's relegation 
And if you leave the Champions League, there's a loss, huge loss of revenue. Big teams don't want a salary cap. So they don't really want competitiveness. They want to keep this, their name, the Milans, the Chelsea's, the whoever, up top. And that's the circle up, the, up over the top. And then occasionally you will have an underdog that rises up. They're trying to just keep the same names over and over again. Their main issue, their main problem was saying that the teams that, that are going in, right, mm-hmm. can't be relegated and they're automatically just there. And when you saw the teams like AC Milan, Inter Milan, Arsenal, Tottenham, it wasn't inspiring because it was no longer competition. It was no who had the, who had the most funds, who had the most money. Well, in Barcelona's case, they have no money. It was, but, you know, <laughs> it was a name. Yeah, exactly. And that was it. I don't like the fact how UEFA kind of co-opted fans' idea and while at the same time passing such a shit Champions League revamp. Yeah. So, you know, so it's not much changing. I admire the clubs for trying to be bold. And, but at the same time, I just can't believe how poor they were at... M- managing the message uh i'm wondering if they were they felt like they had to come out with a message because the story was leaking and they felt they need to come out someone perez just came out and perez was making a terrible job saying what's better than having like you know the two best teams playing each other whatever like yeah eventually but that gets boring after a while i don't want to see real madrid and liverpool every year the whole point is having that anticipation and waiting for it there has to be that explosion that yeah. bang you know so Super League is gone. They need to have a proper Champions League revamp because the one that they're proposing now is terrible. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have to wonder. As you said, I don't know if the story was when when it was. I think it was Saturday. The murmur started to come out that oh, the Europa Super League is real. It's going to be announced. Blah blah blah. And as I said, like, this can't be true. Like this, this really can't be. And then we did actually see an official announcement. I have to wonder: was that official announcement planned, or did it come out because somebody spoke? Because if this is something that if you if you think about people like Arsene Wenger, Arsene Wenger said that um, the European Super League is coming. He's been saying that for 10 years. So I want to know if these guys have been talking for 10 years, how was it that this is the plan they announced? 15 clubs that would stay in the competition regardless of anything with five teams rotating it every year. It was a nonsense idea. It doesn't sound appealing in any way, shape or form. I don't know why anyone would think the super clubs matching up every week would be entertaining because even in the Champions League, for the most part, when two big teams meet, they pretty much cancel each other out and get a bore, a bore of a game 90% of the time. I don't really remember these games ever being thrilling, but exactly. it, was a, it was a very weird idea that got killed. I did find it funny that the fans stood up and UEFA came out and FIFA came out and it was this coalition of these three bodies coming to destroy the evil Super League when FIFA and UEFA are two of the most corrupt organizations in the world. The Champions League is sponsored by a, a syndicate of evil corporations. Like At the end of the day, there was one pot calling another cup, pot black and the, the blacker pot one, as far as I'm concerned. And then UEFA did because sneak Because they in. already know, they already know the devil in the UEFA and, and FIFA, you know, yeah, versus something unknown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The 10 years, because there's a rotating, rotating people are going in and out of the meeting. So it's not the same people coming out with an idea. So it's a mismatch. But 
the Super League is dead for now. Um, I will move on to what is at hand, the Champions League. Last time I spoke to you, it looked like Kevin De Bruyne was going to be out for Manchester City. They play PSG this week. Uh, yeah. Any... I don't need to go into home and away because there's going to be no fans, to my knowledge, at either game. Yeah. So I'm really, <laughs> you know, just playing on a different, different surface. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems Kevin De Bruyne is fit. I didn't particularly see any problems with him on the weekend. Um, so he's back. That's good. As I've said before, you know, the Champions League is a competition that it, it gets swung so easily by which player is fit, which player is suspended, etc., but it seems like both PSG and Man City will go into essentially their, for, the, for lack of better words, their best team. So this, for these ties going ahead. Um, right now, I still have PSG having the edge. I don't know. I just think Neymar and Mbappe are two of the best five players in the world. Um, I do like City, but I, I just can't, based on that Dortmund game, I just can't trust them. I can't trust them to deliver. Well, I picked City at the start and I'd rather be wrong once than be wrong twice. So, you know, and I picked City because I'm mean, mainly because I thought it was their, their time to win. And sometimes it comes down to that simplicity. Uh, uh, Foden, De Bruyne and Gundogan are going to have to really play really well. I was, I'm really big. The reason why I'm wavering a bit on my prediction is because Sterling, again, over the weekend, he's just does not been good. Yeah. And he, Sterling at his best is a type of player who I don't think is as good as Neymar or Mbappe, but at his best, he has to be right there, the level right below. Like when you name those guys right below is Sterling. Um, right now, he's very below. Yeah. So that, that, is, that is the key. I don't, know, I don't know if Pep will start him. I'll be actually surprised if Pep starts him, to be honest with you. And yeah, I, can't, I can't argue. Yeah. I was surprised. He st- I wasn't surprised. I should say, but when once once he started the Spurs um, final, I thought this probably means he's not playing from the start coming this week. I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus comes back in because he he tends to, even if he doesn't score, he tends to work super hard for the cause, especially in these big Champions League games. He had a very good game against Real Madrid last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back in. But um, it's surprising to me that you're still sticking with City because for for us. As far as I know, you disagree with the opinion that City are the favourites for the Champions League. Definitely not the favourite because they don't have a striker. They don't have a striker who can trust. And they're not the favourites for this game. Uh, they have Kyle Walker playing. <laughs> I still don't trust John Stones. They have tremendous scar tissue. But in Kevin De Bruyne, who I rate very highly, in Gundogan... And in Phil Foden, I believe they have matchups that can exploit PSG. I believe that PSG's midfield is not good. It is competent. Uh, to co- uh, they, they, they compensate very well for PSG's front three. Di Maria can be deep potato, depending on the day. We're not sure if it's Di Maria or Di Potato where the ball is bounced off his foot like a potato. Yep. Like a potato. Well, I, I do believe that City is going to have a measure of control of the game from the midfield perspective. Uh, Kyle Walker, as I said, he is a huge worry. He's an extremely huge worry. So they will be, they'll have that. So that will be the... So, so I'm going into this point believing that City's ability to control the midfield will be able to nullify enough of a threat over two legs to give them the advantage in Gundogan, De Bruyne, and Foden. And I'm fingers crossed 
one of one of Maris, Sterling, or Jesus can can get the goals. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. hoping. I'm I'm banking on one of the three. One of the three. That is my hope. Not all three. I'm just banking on one of them, and that is where I think that thing. And Bayern Munich did create a lot of chances. They didn't have Lewandowski to take them. And PSG are not winning in League One. League One, they're not the you know Lille is ahead of them. So it's not like they're some super flying team. And yeah, so they're more than more than able. We're more than beatable. It, thinking about it now, it might be a case similar to the the Dortmund game for for Man City, where I do think they will dominate the game in regards to they'll have more of the ball because I think defensively and in midfield, they do have the better setup compared to PSG. The difference is, well, not the difference, the similarity between PSG and Dortmund. I think Dortmund had a superstar attack in um, Holland. He didn't figure too much in the game, but can City hold out against two of the best attackers and two best footballers in the world? That would be the, the telling yeah. um, thing that decides this game. Yeah, but mainly you know, um, Sancho didn't play for Sancho didn't play for Dortmund, and we saw different points. City bend but not break. Yeah. So you know, you look at the fact that the quick counter attacks, Neymar being a one man counter attack, his movement in between central defender and fullback is a is a space worry. So I I, I it's worried. I, I wouldn't you know like does Pep go to a back three? You know, um, last time we went to a back three against Leon, he was criticized. I've seen him play a back three for Bayern Munich against Barcelona. It was ridiculed. Is this a game for it? So uh, I think that he sticks with, I think he sticks with the back four. I think he goes with Con- um, Juan Cancelo. I think he goes with Kyle Walker because of the pace um, of both of them. Mm-hmm. But you never know with Pep. You really never know. John Stone's going to have to play. Like, if John Stone's plays well this game, we have to put respect. We have to give him his props. He's, he's going to earn his spot on the EPL team of the year, even though this is a Champions League game. He, he, he would have made, he would have recognized himself as, yeah, he's one of the best defenders in the EPL and he deserves to be here. But yeah, it's going to be, a, it's gonna be a crowning game for him. You know, last week he got the he's red get shift, He's going to get shift at least. He's going to get shift a few times. Well, the thing with the, see my, my whole thing with getting shift is if you get play football and expect not to get shift, you're you're clearly silly. And if you're getting against Neymar and Mbappe, you should be expecting to get beaten a couple of times. Just hope that the end result don't put you on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. That's really and truly, that's about it. But um, yeah, I, I pretty much I'm, I I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I don't know. I just think PSG offensively are too strong. I can't see them wasting the chances that Dortmund wasted, and Right now, and you can't see Neymar missing chances again because he missed the chances against yeah. uh, Bayern. So I, you'll have chances this game. Put, put it, like, I think both teams will have chances. It's just who who do I trust more to finish the chances, Mbappe and Neymar or Sterling Mahrez and Jesus or Foden? I, I just have to give it to, to Neymar and Mbappe. I just think yeah. right now PSG are probably the... PSG, I agree with you. PSG are favourites. PSG yeah. are favourites, but... I, I just feel it's as I said, sometimes the simplicity, I just feel it's city here. They haven't had enough of luck. But then PSG fans might say the same thing that you know they have had some ter- terrible injury luck that has cost them. They've had games where they played really well. I remember the first leg against Real Madrid a few years back up one nil. 
dominating and then all of a sudden they lose 2-1 then they lose Neymar for the second leg and they're out of the tournament so you yeah. know and then you had the Manchester United debacle so you know and then last year in the Champions League final where they didn't play well but mainly because they're overmatched against a better Bayern Munich side so I, 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 I fully expect Pep to look at that Bayern Munich game from last year in the final how Bayern Munich were able to nullify PSG, Grandel's one leg um, after 20 minutes. So that first 20 minutes is going to be critical in both legs. Yeah, the first sure. 20 minutes um, of each leg. Yeah. Well, the good thing for... Yeah. The good thing for Man City and their scar tissue is they tend to do better against teams where objectively they are not the favourites. <laughs> and PSG yeah. tend to underperform when they are the favourites, going back years of Champions League history. So... It's going to be but a is, I don't think that, I, I, but to only sensible people, PSG are not are, are the favorites. So, That's most people, objective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I think they're going into this game, it'll be easy to sell to either team, whatever narrative you want to sell. But again, I, I just don't like if if City do win, and my prediction is to come through, it will be the first team that I can recall that has won the Champions League without a, a goal scorer. Yeah. I can't think of anybody else, to be honest. I can't think of. Maybe there is one, but I'm not aware of it at the moment. And if it is, so minuscule. Maybe that Champions League Chelsea team, that's about it. But they did have Drogba. Yeah, they had Drogba, who was a recognized striker, and he scored scored some critical goals for them. So I guess that's the closest one. What about Chelsea versus Real Madrid? Can, can you tell? I I am not interested in this game at all. I, it's sad to say that a Champions League semi final against two big names, two Super League clubs, mind mm. you. And I don't know. Like Real Madrid haven't impressed me for the most part for this season. The only real player of interest to me on that team is Benzema. I do have Real Madrid having the edge because when we speak of scar tissue for. Man City, the opposite is the case for Real Madrid. This just leaves at their competition. They're able to turn it on. Um, when it matters most, that a blip last year, but I'd give them the edge. Chelsea, you've been saying for a while, Chelsea play boring football under Tuchel. Uh, One dimensional, they have three attacks. Yeah. I remember we broke it down. I broke down their three attacking moves. Yeah, it's oh pretty. It's pretty straightforward. And and to be honest, I don't blame him for that. He came into the job and he's been expected to see out the season. It's not his team yet, and I think he's done an adequate job to get them where they're going. They look like they'll qualify for the Champions League through the Premier League, and they've got to a semi-final of a Champions League when it didn't look good on the Frank. They're playing smart, sensible, Chelsea-like football, and they're dangerous when it's that. Um, can't really put too much faith in them because Timo Werner is inconsistent at the best of times with his finishing. Um, it's going to be a game that, if I miss it, probably won't try and find the replay. Definitely, I think Real Madrid. If Chelsea does this, is because they did an underdog trick like they did in 2012 or whenever it was that they did it. But this should be Real Madrid. I don't think Real Madrid is a special team. This is Real Madrid way past date. We're just in a poor cycle of football at the moment. We are way past an expired Real Madrid Champions League winning team is favorites to go to the finals. That's just where we are in football at the moment. And Real Madrid looks like they have consistently benefited from such a cycle. So I don't see why they won't benefit this time around. Uh, they have better players, uh, better organization. 
Zidane seems to carry serious luck. And Eden Hazard played well over the weekend, just in time to play against Chelsea. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the only <laughs> interesting story beat going into that matchup. Eden Hazard is back again. He hasn't played well since he's joined them. He's been injury hit since he's joined them. For the all intents and purposes, Chelsea look like they sold him at the right time. But tomorrow's well, this week is a game where he can go in and really stamp his authority and remind the world what he's what he's known for. Play well and all is forgiven. All right, so that's that. So yeah, you look like you have PSG and Real Madrid, but you don't really care much about the Real Madrid Chelsea game. Um, neither do I. Uh, there's really nobody in that Chelsea lineup that I really am looking forward to watching. Like, yes, you know, I'm saying like it's it's a Chelsea team that's pretty much smart, sensible to the basics football. Like the, the most interesting part of Chelsea right now is their manager, and their manager hasn't done anything interesting since he got there. Well, I'll look forward to watching Junior. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he did shut you up in the last leg. Well, he, 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 had well. A, he had a good first leg. He had a good first, first leg, leg, yeah. Second leg, uh, Liverpool should have won, but didn't take advantage of the chances. So, bodes well, um, bodes well for Real Madrid going to the final. Sorry, Chelsea going to the final because both of Real Madrid winning. Yeah. So, um, good luck, good, good job, Chelsea. Moving on, though, you know, Tottenham, you know, they fired Jose Mourinho uh, over the weekend. They played a uh, <laughs> cup final. I'm shocked that Pep played De Bruyne. I thought that he would have rested him, uh, mainly because you could have run into the game against PSG as a surprise. Like, is De Bruyne going to play? Oh, he's out. Maybe they wouldn't have prepared for him. Maybe we could have pulled a wild card there. Uh, but uh, young Ryan Mason... I remember watching him play. Uh, he didn't start in Dom Bailey. Some Tottenham fans were um, were a bit annoyed by that. What is your opinions on in Dom Bailey and Spurs as a whole? Spurs, like when we mentioned that last week was the week of story beats, we didn't even mention Jose Mourinho getting sacked as well. Now yeah. it's so surprising that when the super when I woke up on that Monday morning and everyone was still talking about the Super League, I was scrolling through Twitter. And I saw someone mention something about Mourinho getting sacked or got sacked. And I was just like, they're not going to sack him. And I kept I scrolling. I thought I was a joke. I thought yeah, it was a exactly. And I kept scrolling. And maybe like 45 minutes later, I realized, yeah. wait, he actually did get sacked. Oh, yeah. No one's talking about this. But uh, I wasn't surprised to see him go. I know a lot of people were surprised that he went before a cup final. and uh, A cup final against Pep, no, no less. Where I guess many people thought the thinking would be, he knows how to nullify Pep. I don't really know how accurate that record is, but I wasn't surprised to see him go before the cup final. I think Levy realized that that cycle was done. Jose wasn't going to work long-term for them. And I think even if he did keep a hold of him and they won the trophy, it would have looked like the end of days for Jose Marino anyway. So I think he got him out just in case he won. In regards to the actual performance, it was what you expected. Um, Ryan Mason played how I would expect Jose would have approached that game. Um, they lost. There's not much to say about that. In regards to the player that you are a huge fan of, because I know this is a player that you think is absolute quality, Endon Bele. <laughs> um, and that's obviously a joke because you clearly don't rate him. Um, I liked him at Leon. I thought he looked a very good prospect. I thought he would be a game changer for Spurs. He's, or he was, an attacking player known for his dribbling, and inc- incisive passes. That player has not arrived in England. 
I don't know if it's because of the manager. I don't know if it's because of the system that's hurricane dependent, but he looks a shadow of himself. I have said he's flopped for a while. Even when he's had his little bright moments here and there, it's not impressed me. And I'm a player, I'm a person who was a big fan of him before, but not surprised to see him not play the game. I was surprised though to see Harry Winks start over him. That was weird to me because I think the thinking was Harry Winks is a player who's good in possession, but you're playing against Man City and he's not going to possess the ball. So that was weird. And but Harry yeah. Winks don't have any skill. That was but this is the third weird. manager now. There's a third manager that's had him at Spurs and they don't have really fancied him. Granted, Ryan Mason is still young into the job, but I'm pretty sure he's been watching Spurs this entire time. So I'm sure he didn't wake up one day and say, I wonder if Ndombele is good enough or not good enough. I'm pretty sure he's been watching them. I know he's had them in training and he realizes he's not good enough. So this is the third manager in a row that has not placed their trust in him. And they're seeing him week in, week out in training, not just analyzing what we're seeing on the weekend. So there has to be something to my to my criticisms of him that he has just not been good. And, and I'm not sure what he's good at. Yeah, to back, has, as, as soon as I said, to back up your point, and you're not sure what he's good at. As you said, he's three <clears> managers <throat> now. These are, these are three different managers as well, because I don't think, well, from the little we've seen of Ryan Mason, I don't think he's a Pochettino or a Jose clone by any stretch of the imagination. He's three different managers with three different profiles for their midfield who don't seem to have a real idea of how to fit Ndombele in to get his best out of. Pochettino played him differently than Jose tried to play him, and Mason hasn't played him. So what is it that managers want from him? What is it that he's not doing? What is it that he can do? At this point in time, nobody can really give an accurate representation of that. I always worry about players who don't have a position. Um, you can't tell them, like, you know, how you have to... When you look at Ndombele, can he can he be your defensive midfielder? No. Can he be no. your centre midfielder? No. Can he be attacking midfielder? No. Um, can he play on the wing? No. I'm, I'm running out of stuff for him to do. I guess you can say he can be a box-to-box midfielder. That is the only hope for him, for him to be the box-to-box box midfielder. But as you said, he's a, he, but when you're a box-to-box midfielder, that ball has to move out to your feet quick, and he likes to dribble, yeah. right? So, you know, the key about being a box-to-box midfielder is being able to arrive late at critical points and understand when to hold position and when to release the ball So and using your ball skills to open up spaces. And you also need a tremendous... You need some range of passing. You know, you, you look at Yaya Torre, for example, Yaya Torre, Frank Lampard, or Steven Gerrard, Midfielders built in the same way or same manner, Michael Ballock um, and thing. All of them, like in Yaya Torres' case, Yaya Torres had fantastic, as one wasn't a huge fan of his, fantastic close control, ball control, and could keep the ball very, very well. In uh, Bailey, I don't say that. Um, he's not Frank Lampard in terms of ability to get into the box, score goals. He's not Steven Gerrard versatile. Um, he's not Michael Ballock's efficiency in terms of all around did everything everything at a high level so again the only thing that i see with him is that he can dribble like ross barkley could pre-hamstring and do nothing else he's uh, i don't i just don't see it yeah those are some interesting players you compare him to the player i compare him to. the same way he's built that same way so yeah you know, yeah. The, yeah the player way. the player i compare him to actually a lot is um, Paul Pogba of Manchester United because I think 
when you sign a player like Ndombele at Leon, he was the focal point. Of yeah, I, I put Paul Pogba in that same mode. In yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think his career has gone somewhat similar to Paul Pogba's at Manchester United because my main criticism of Pogba or the Pogba situation at Manchester United for me has been, I think this is now his fourth or fifth season at Manchester United. And I don't think at any point in time this team was built around him. Whereas I think at Juventus, it was closer built around him and you saw his attributes come out. He could get away with certain things because the team was built to hide his weaknesses and to maximize his strengths. And Dumbele was similar at Leon. It hid his weaknesses, maximized his strengths. That's not um, that Spurs for him. Managers, Poch wanted to slowly integrate him into his system. That's probably a smart way of going about it. He showed glimpses, but he was clearly not what he was in France. And then Mourinho came in and Mourinho wanted to change him completely. That hasn't worked out. So where do you go from here with him? It's probably never going to work for him at Spurs. Like, let's let's be honest, because he's wasted two years of development. He hasn't fit into the team. The manager will change again. They're likely going to hire a permanent manager who's going to want his own midfield profile. So where does that leave him? He's probably going to have to find his, pack his bags and go back somewhere and try and rebuild himself. He, he kind of, he reminds me a lot of Oxlade-Chamberlain in a way, but Oxlade-Chamberlain has had a lot of injuries um, and Keita, who, who joined Liverpool as well. Players who, when they pick up the ball, they look very shifty and they want to burst forward. But once you put that wall in front of them, you realise they're too easily, they're too, they're, they become pedestrian. They, they bring your team nowhere forward quickly. And that's, that's, that's a problem when you're a midfield player and you don't know where to play them. And it has been actually Chamberlain's weakness. You know, as a huge England fan, like where, where are you going to play him for, for, for 40 games a season? Like, where are you going to play him? Like, who are you going to put around him? Paul Pogba at least has had a good amount of successes. You know, you, I mentioned he was a UEFA Cup player, Europa <laughs> Cup player of the year. You know, he's had great moments. And he's, well, you know, Paul Pogba is obviously far more talented than Dombele. Uh, I, I, you know, back to Paul Pogba, I just think Paul Pogba is the type of player that you put him in a Real Madrid, you put him in Barcelona, you, 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 you put him around players um, and he will, he will thrive. Uh, I don't think he's a type of player that you can build around. Like Bruno has been, has found ways to impact Manchester United, being Manchester United's main man, because he has a natural position, play behind the striker. You score goals, score penalties. He will be loose with the ball, but he will find a pass here and there in the game and he'll pile up the stat sheet. You understand? He, he, he understands his role and system. So... Whereas a Paul Pogba, I feel like you need to put him with other star players and you'll see the best of him. He will blend right in. He's a blender rather than the person you build around. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's pretty much where Ndombele is at, at this moment as well. He's not, he's not a difference maker in the Premier League. He was a difference maker in Lyon in France where the team was built around him, as I said. But coming into the EPL, yeah. the, the acclimatization hasn't been good. And if he's not making a difference, he looks laboured and he's easily nullified on the te- on the field. And that's what's happened to him far too often. Like for me, if you put Paul Pogba with like Alcantara, that was his midfield partner, and then he had a, um, you can name a defender. Who's a defensive midfielder you'd want to put around them? Um, let's say they put Kimmich. Let's say yeah. Kimmich was playing there. It's Kimmich, Alcantara and Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba would look, people would say he's top 10 player in the world. That's what I believe. Yeah. Uh, 
but I believe you had Thiago, Kimmage, and Bruno Fernandes. I'm not saying that Bruno wouldn't be good, but I don't think he'd be as good as Pogba would be in that situation because Pogba's limitations would be shown up less, and he could and his his strengths once you maximize them he goes to another level. And Manchester United, unfortunately, has not been able to maximize his tremendous strengths because the team that they have been able to put just don't, just don't allow it. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said there. And that's it, though. But anyway, man, it's good catching up with you. So I have City. Um, I'm invested in that City-PSG game. Um, look forward to it. Uh, you know, you know. lastly, though, you know, going into the Euro... You, um, Europe, European championships this summer. It's interesting because it's going to come down to which team has healthy players. Um, and I think the manager, I think more than ever, you need to look at games played um, when you're picking the team. Because you look at like Bruno Fernandes, for example, he must be dead. He must be dead. going. Yeah, into that that's, that's actually something I was even thinking about in regards to the next club seasons. Like we've had such a stop-start year of football over the since the pandemic started. And these players have been overworked and then they're going to go into a Euros and then there's Olympics. I see Egypt want to call up Salah for the Olympics. I'm just like, these players are going non-stop. How is it going to affect the start of next season? It's crazy. Well, yeah, well, well, you know, they, they tried to nullify with the substitutions. You know, you, you have five substitutions, six if you go into extra time. Yeah. But some leagues haven't been doing that, such as the Premier League. Yeah, so your bench better be strong. All right, Stefan, good catching up with you. Um, talk to you on the weekend. Peace. Right, peace.